You're listening to Faith and Fostering, the podcast where people of faith chat about foster care in the Australian context to encourage, edify and educate others along the journey. Welcome back to Faith and Fostering. It's great to have you with us again today. This is part two of a two-part episode. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, then I suggest you go back and have a listen to it as that's going to set you up for the discussion that's about to start. For those of you who have, let's launch in with part two of this interview. And so, Robin, what do you, what have you seen as some of the benefits for your children as you've understood more about how brains are working and environmental factors and even how you work? What has been, mm. I guess, some of the changes in your home? Mm, that's a good question. Um, goodness, many changes. So many changes because I'd, I'd probably call myself a, a recovering bad parent. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. So goodness, where do I start? Well, I think the biggest first thing was I've touched on it before was the learning that I actually have to connect with my child on a, on a regular basis, you know, almost every day yeah. if I want them to listen to what I have to say. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And that they are wired for attention. And if I don't fill that bucket, I'm going to get negative attention seeking behaviors. And still to this very day that happens if I'm, you know, if I can see that, you know, one of them's being annoying and stuff, I'm like, oh, I haven't spent enough time with you. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's literally just a proactive thing. Spend time with your kids doing what they want to do at their level. um, And then that need is filled and you won't get annoying behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've also, I've learned a lot about being more proactive than reactive when it comes Mm, to behavior that's good so there's so many things you can do instead of being reactive um literally catching them being good yeah you know we our minds have a really negative bias and we focus a lot on on negative things but if you can catch them doing good especially the behaviors that you want to see more of that can be quite powerful in increasing that behavior praising them and initially when I wasn't good at it I would write sticky notes you know up on the fridge praise just to remind me and um, it just changes the feel in your home because when you have a child with challenger behaviors what ends up happening is you have a lot of negative interaction with that child yeah and they you don't like it they don't like it it's really negative so once it's actually your job as a parent to change that around and make sure that you can have positive interactions, catch them be good. Sometimes you actually have to ignore minor mm. safe bad behavior yeah, and then turn it around, you know, do the four to one or five to one. I can't ever remember five to, you know, five good to one negative yes. feedback yep. because what happens is when a child is continually getting negative feedback from a parent or a teacher, it ends up becoming this internal script inside like I'm bad and nothing I do matters anyway or I can't do, I can't do it or I'm bad. And so they end up playing out that role. Yeah, It becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So we have to call out the good in them. We have to call out the opposite in them. And that has been, yeah, pretty powerful for me. Yeah. Um, and then just basic things like preventative things like using um, – timers 
you know, especially with screen time, I've trained my kids that, you know, half an hour on the clock, they can see the timer. And then I give them a reminder, look, guys, there's five minutes to go because there's a lot of problems with transitioning off screen time. Like a lot of my parents are having um, screen time issues. But also, like, learning that screen time is is a privilege. Yeah. It really should be a privilege. It's not something that we, you know, kids should have open access to for a whole bunch of reasons, but use it to your advantage. Use it as something that they you know, they have as a when then. When you've done that, then you can have your screen time. Yeah. Um, you know, things like a proactive thing is some kids really need a good sensory diet. Um, those with a complex sensory profile like my daughter, she's incredibly tactile seeking. So mm-hmm. we find that on the weekends, first thing, if we give her, you know, kinetic sand uh, or a rice tray or something, that can keep her regulated for quite a while. Whereas if we don't start with that, something an hour later can trigger her and we might end up in a meltdown. So it's just a proactive way to, to, you know, prevent behavior problems. Um, Controlling the environment. A lot of people have issues with food. Well, either, you know, hide, hide lollies and chips and things like that or don't, you know, don't have them in the house. Yeah. If there's issues with clothing in the morning, you know, make sure they pick their outfit or have it ready the night before. Just lots of practical things you can do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have time for another one. But yeah, I, yeah. Go for it. We do. Um, something massive that changed my life around is I learned about something that's called emotion coaching. Mm-hmm. And it's the way we respond to our children when they are showing emotion. So I learned that there's different styles of parenting when it comes to responding to our kids emotions so you can a lot of us actually fit in the dismissive category yeah so we don't like to see our children upset or sad or angry and often we go straight into fix it mode yeah you know they might say oh this person was being mean to me at school and we'll you know ask a million questions oh who and why and then we'll go oh well have you tried this have you done this and it's out of a good intent but we've missed a great opportunity to validate empathize name the emotion and ride that wave so um yeah what i've learned is even though you know it's good intentions um children can often feel dismissed Mm -hmm. when we don't uh what you can do instead is you know tune in try and name the emotion and then do lots of reflective listening you know paraphrase back or whatever And then this is the key step, validate and empathize, validate and empathize, because what that does is it opens up the thinking brain of the child. They start going, wow, mom's really listening. She really cares. And then once they feel validated and empathize, you can actually go on to problem solve. Mm. You can go, what shall we do about it? And you problem solve together or you set a limit. So what I learned is even if you don't agree with the emotion, that's the key. Even if you don't agree with the emotion and you don't like it, you can still validate and empathize. Yeah. Because I used to be really against, I really hated seeing um, my son in particular angry and I used to be quite dismissive and it would just, you know, we'd just escalate and we'd fight. But once I tuned in I and I, I noticed and I was like, oh, you're really angry. And then I would, you know, listen and I'd go, yeah, I suppose I'd feel that way too if that happened to me. 
it just completely changed our relationship. And what happens is they just end up talking to you. They tell you things, they trust you more and you get more information and it actually role models problem solving and empathy to them so they can learn those skills. Yeah, yeah. powerful tool. If anyone wants to know about it, just Google tuning into kids or emotion coaching. Absolutely powerful. Yeah. I actually. So that really. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I've just been doing circle of security, um, which is also like a parenting. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's, I love the way that they just simplify it. And there's a friend of mine who says, um, and I really like this saying, but she's like, um, you don't know what you don't know. And when you know better, you can do better. And I think as oh, I parents, that. as we are learning on the journey, what we didn't know, we didn't know. Like you can't beat yourself mm-hmm. up for what you didn't know. And then when you mm-hmm. go on journeys of understanding, when you do a parenting course, when you think, oh, this is getting beyond me, like I need some help, and then you mm-hmm. learn some of these things, you can start to go, oh, now that I know better, I can do better. And it's just really empowering. And I think, yeah, guilt and shame doesn't help us as parents beating ourselves up. No. Um, but, hey, when we know better, we can do better. And so I yeah. think, you know, things like podcasts and parenting courses, all those things, when we care enough to allocate time to them because we're struggling, mm. um, those really serve us well and then they serve our children and they serve our families and our home. Um, it's just mm. it's lots of wins, isn't it, really? Yeah, and you're right about guilt and shame. It's really unhelpful. And in saying this, you know, even though I've learned all these things, I am still 100% human (laughs) and I still lose it sometimes. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes my husband will go, Robin, remember your training, (laughs) you know, when I'm being really dismissive. Um, And a lot of us have a really strong inner critic. Yeah. And I see that with parents and, and I just say, you know, you have to be, just like we have to show grace to our kids, we have to be show grace to ourselves and be kind and know that we are human and it's okay to to lose it sometimes. Absolutely. And we can apologise to our kids. And, yeah, it's just pick yourself up, try again. Um, you're right, it's just not helpful. No, and I think even with yeah. the um, circle of security, they were like 30% of the time. If you're doing this just even 30% of the time, um, mm. that's better than none at all. So... I think, yeah, making sure that we actually set ourselves up um, not to fail, not expecting, hey, I'm going to read all these books and overnight I'm going to implement all these things because they all take time, don't they? As you grow in understanding, it then takes time for that to become part of your, um, yeah, part of your toolkit really. It's like renewing the mind. Some, Yeah, Mm. it's like meditation and reading God's word. We have to, takes time. For the renewing of the mind um but it's worth i think it's worth it because we have our kids for like around 18 oh, years right absolutely so and, and i personally think <laughs> it's a great investment for sure and longer like we don't stop being a yeah. child or a parent at 18 years like i think um our kids even when they're adults like yes we want them to ha- be interdependent we don't want them to be codependent or independent but that relationship mm-hmm. Um, it serves you for the rest of your life. So what you build here, absolutely. Um, if you don't all want your kids moving back mm-hmm. in at 40 or something, like do the work <laughs> now um, to yeah. build those relationships because that will serve them the rest of their lives. That will empower them to go and do the things that they want to do in life. And it's a really important yeah. foundation, isn't it? 100%. And I'd also say the earlier 
you start learning about this, the better because uh, when when kids do turn 13, it does. <laughs> it gets wobbly it again. It does get trickier. Yeah. Yes, it gets wobbly again. And so laying the foundation before that I think is really important. Yeah. 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 Helpful. Yeah. And Robin, just kind of, I guess, as we wrap up, and I know there was something that I said we we're going to go back to, and now my brain is totally cannot remember it. Can you remember? Well, it was you said mindsets, and I suppose yeah, we've so, spoken about mindsets. Yes. Yeah. So actually, we mm-hmm. kind of naturally got there. So, but just in wrapping up, what have you learned? And this is again so broad, so you can take it where you want it. But what you've learned mm-hmm. that's helped others gain understanding in their situations. So, what have you been able to pass on that you've seen that's been really helpful for them as they've transitioned into, you know, putting it into practical use in their story? Um, well, I suppose I could give you examples. Yeah. Uh, things that I've things that I've spoken about but more in an example context. Yeah. Um, one of my first cases was a mother with a five-year-old son with autism and ADHD, and he was extremely anxious and quite aggressive Mum had a, you know, trauma background of domestic violence and there was domestic violence when the child was in utero. Yeah. And um, upon investigation, you know, the only way mum knew how to handle his behaviours was to just constantly put him in time out. So mm. it was awful. There were just big violent protests and him constantly screaming behind closed doors. And she, you know, she had a good heart. She didn't, she just didn't know any other way. Yeah. And... I could see there was clearly an attachment problem here. And so we had to start there. There was no way around it. And a lot of it was um, doing motivational interviewing really and and just trying to influence mum that we had to start there because she wanted she, you know, she wanted the fix it approach. Yeah. But I was able to, you know, really just coach her on connecting with her son and spending time you know we found out what he wanted what he liked and mum you know with mum's trauma she would literally dissociate and I had to teach her to come into the present moment using her five senses you know when she was with him what can you see what can you hear just to help her stay present and we you know I didn't say let's spend an hour with him let's just start with 10 minutes 10 minutes of positive interaction and it has to come from you as the adult yeah and it was quite beautiful. I was so proud of her. Like I was weekly coaching her or twice a week over the phone. And I said, you know, if you feel uncomfortable, you pro- you're doing the right thing. And she held on to that mm. because that's how we grow. We have to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And she held on to that. And it was beautiful because she started to like him. I mean, she loved him. Yeah. But liking was a different story. And yes. he would even say, oh, I like you, mum. And, yeah, mm. it was just beautiful because the attachment started there. And it had to start there. And this wasn't an overall cure or anything, but um, it helped definitely. Any, anything else would have been futile if we had tried other things. Yeah, yeah. You kind so of, that's one example. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> Keep going. Um, I suppose um, once again I'm going to talk about the, the brain-based lens compared to the behavior-based lens. And it, it was just a dad who was so frustrated with his – his um, son also on the spectrum with ADHD, you know, just things that he didn't didn't understand. So his son would come home because he had he had been sucking his shirt, yeah, and chewing on it, and it was just soaked in saliva. And you know, I was able to explain. Well, 
he's probably what's called oral sensory seeking. So he, he needs to chew or he needs stuff in his mouth. And it's just, you know, part of some kids in the spectrum need that. And it's probably how he regulates, meaning how he tries to feel calm within himself. And so it was literally, let me make him some chewy necklaces, you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, and then, you know, just having an understanding of that and, and how, you know, morning, a lot of these parents have morning problems as we've sort of spoken about and, to get his son to be able to do anything in the morning, you know, there was a lot of shouting and threatening and prompting and, you know, we just implemented a, a visual schedule. But once again, we had to put something motivating on the end. We had to take away distractions, etc. understand working memory. And, yeah, those parents were great because they came to me and it was like a coaching style where they would explain things in the week and I'd be able to explain the condition from a from a brain based lens, and over over time they adopted that approach. Yeah, um, and then they started to work with him. Yeah, rather than you know things escalating, and so that was good. Um, I suppose another example is different. I had a twelve year old move from interstate uh, with her parents, and she had a great upbringing, beautiful school history never experienced any sort of adversity or uh, friendship problems or anxiety. And then when she came here, she just, anxiety came on like an absolute flood. And I've seen that actually happen with a few kids, like pretty severe, like all of a sudden separation anxiety, school refusal. Wow. And she was like the perfect client actually because she she listened to everything I said and, and put into practice everything I said and – yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, yeah, it was just basically teaching her all about um, yeah cognitive behavior therapy. She was a big what ifer. What if this happens? What if that happens? Yeah. And what you do is you you go through the what ifs. You know, what's the worst case scenario? Because um, often our mind will go to the worst case scenario, and yeah. then we go, well, what's the best case scenario? And then we go, what's likely to happen? Yeah, because most of the time, what was likely to happen actually happened. Yeah. Because the anxious brain goes to the, you know, the worst case. And so we did a lot of what ifing work. And then we go, okay, if the worst case did happen, what are we going to do about it? So kids, when they're anxious, their thinking brain shuts off, you know. But what we what we need is we actually need a problem solve. So in session, we did a lot of problem solving. And so she had the security that actually if the worst case did happen, we're going to do that. We're going to talk to the teacher or we're going to ask to get um, go for a bathroom break or something like that, you know. Um, but most of the time it was just, that was just in her brain. It's all thoughts in her brain and the most likely thing or even the best case scenario happened. But, um, yeah, that's that's an example of a client, stuff that's helped. Yeah, um, so good. What else can I say? <laughs> well, that's really good. And it is, again, I think uh, maybe this is a good place to kind of finish things up. It is being students of the people around us, actually, because I was just thinking as you were talking, I've got a daughter who, yeah, she will lean towards the worst case scenario. So she'll come home mm-hmm. and she'll be upset about something and we'll sit and we'll talk and I'll listen. And um, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, wow, like this sounds really bad. Like the way that she's telling me the story, like, it sounds like, you know, nobody wants to be friends with her. But then the next morning she'll go to school mm-hmm. and she'll, oh, this person was talking to me and this person and this, we did this together. And and so mm-hmm. just in this, because she she's just transitioned into high school, so it's a new space for her. But I was just wow. realising, oh, hang on, 
it's it's not as bad as what she's saying. So when I sit and chat through with her, I can, yeah, like you say, I can help her navigate, well, what is the worst case scenario? What would happen if we went there? Um, mm. What could, like, I just love the way that you've just put it. What is mm. likely to happen? And bring perspective really so in this season for her what she just needs is a mom who's going to spend the time just bringing some perspective to how she sees things and but again that needs that needs time that needs um knowing you know where she's at and and having that relationship that helps her share and Mm. when it's working it can feel simple but it's because of a thousand other things that you've already done that's right. For that moment to be simple. Um, and there That's would be right. a thousand things that you could have done that would make that moment really complicated. And so I just love that you are along with um, parents for the journey, Robin, that you can, yeah, mm. share what you've learned and um, and help them bring some of the, those things into their homes that, like you say, it just changes the whole environment. And, man, we need mm. that like the arguing and the escalating and the screaming, like you say, it's just burnout. You can't thrive in that mm. environment. No, no. Yeah, no, I am I feel like it's an pr- absolute privilege. I just feel so privileged and I'm so thankful that God has taken me on this journey. I just feel so humbled to be able to help people and I'm, I can't wait <laughs> to help someone else. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And isn't it so true? Like there's been moments on your journey where you have probably thought, why am I on this journey? I hate this journey. I don't want this journey. This is a hard journey. But when you persevere through it and you get the gold of learning, Mm -hmm. then it does change the whole perspective. Suddenly, like you were saying right at the start, like to learn, you need to be uncomfortable. I'm like, I would love Mm -hmm. some other way (laughs) that we could learn. But yeah, no, I mean, I. Yeah, you go. Yeah, I mean, I almost, I was going to say, I almost lost my faith over. Um, the stress that we went through it was pretty. It was pretty intense. But um, the biggest thing God taught me through that is actually, um, surprisingly, uh, gratitude and mm. thankfulness. And I learned things in that suffering that there's no other way I would have learned. And I, yeah, I really didn't like it at the time. I didn't think I was going to survive. But looking back at it, I can see how God's turned it around and mm. even things like, for instance, you know, we didn't get funding for a while for NDIS um, and therapies, you know, at the t- time, $180 and more, we either had to fork that out or we couldn't afford it. But now people pay me to help their kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? How, how God is that? Just turning it around for the good. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, this, the spiritual part of that story is just incredible. Yeah. And really, I think, again, um, yes, there's tools that we can have, like you've gone on a journey of understanding, but then also we do have the Holy Spirit who is a counsellor. And we have, yeah, God who is, you know, supernatural. So there's also this this whole supernatural layer Mm -hmm. that sits on top of things. So, but I think it's good to have both. It's good to have, and we were sort of saying, um, who and I had this conversation the other day, like, just saying to our kids, do not fear, because the Bible says do not fear. Um, that's not in that, that's not empowering them. So it's saying, well, look, the Bible mm-hmm. does say we don't have to be fearful, but ha- you know, here are the tools. You can pray about it, you can lean into God, and then you can think about this or you can do this. So 
it's kind of giving them the whole package, isn't it? It's like there is a spiritual dynamic to our lives. Um, mm. And so know that and understand that and lean into that. But then also there's these practical parts that we then can funnel mm. into as well that help us. Yeah. So it's so good oh, that 100%. you have both those perspectives. I think that's super valuable. Yes. And, you know, whenever I do go into a case or anything, I'm, I'm always praying. I'm saying, you know, God, I, you know what's going on. You know the background. You know stuff that I'm never going to know. Help. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Please help. <laughs> God solutions. I'm all for God solutions here. You know, that's co-labor. So um, oh, without that, without that, there's absolutely no point to this job at all. Yeah, yeah. that's so good, Robin. So good. Well, thank you for your time today. And until we get together again, remember, every child deserves a family.